Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. <laughs> Good afternoon, good day, and good night. Welcome back to Team of Our Lives, the only and best Naughties based football podcast. We dish like Mark Fish, Rooney like Wayne Rooney, and fight like Zach Knight. In this first episode of Series 4, we are stepping back in time once more to the ill-fated tournaments of the Naughties that no longer exist. Turns out there were quite a few, but why were they abolished? What teams won? And do they still actually count? as a trophy. To help guide us through these conundrums is Portsmouth fan and documentary filmmaker, Mr. Harry Hansford. How are you, sir? I'm very good. How have you been? covid Oh, had to happen That's, at some point. I know, because I felt so bad, because, uh, well, I didn't actually. Um, I did, but you get COVID quite a lot because you work in a school. <laughs> I, it's the first time I've got it. I, I thought I was invincible, immune, and um, I got it, and it was pretty shit, and I still kind of got a headache from it now um oh. isn't isn't a laughing isn't it i feel no. like getting i put a tweet out saying it's like getting picked last for the football team whatever again <laughs> people asking oh do you want to go and play golf or do you want to go out for a meal or something or go out for some drinks it's like kind of got covid and people are like oh yeah i forgot that was still a thing because they're like yeah. past the point of no return 
Sure. I feel like the Virgin Mary. It's, it's very, <laughs> weird. very weird. Um, right then, it's just us two today. First pod back for series four. Abolish football tournaments. What was what first came to your mind? Because this is something I've been wanting to speak about for a while, just because I find it so fascinating how these fan favorite tournaments that gave, mm. let's say, maybe lesser clubs make like Portsmouth getting getting the early dig. Um, it gave Portsmouth and teams maybe who didn't have too much great success. It gave them a chance to maybe play in Europe or you know have deep cup runs when otherwise financially they weren't doing too well. Is there any that spring to mind for you? Yeah, I mean, when when you first sort of floated your idea, the first one that comes to mind is like, and I'm sure we'll get onto, would be like that sort of Intertoto Cup yeah. and sort of Europa, like what became, became the Europa League, like UEFA Cup and all that sort of uh, non-existing tournaments. So they're the ones that sort of came to mind. Um, but then, yeah, looking into it, obviously, there's a lot, there's a lot more that maybe I didn't even realise were happening. And then uh, I don't know about you, but I also ended up looking at ones that ended way before the 2000s just because it was interesting. Mm. Um, and yes, yeah, so many tournaments have sort of been forgotten to history. And often, as I'm sure we'll go on to, even when they do try to come back, it doesn't necessarily mean a return to glory days for them, does it? And I'm sure Absol- some of them were just so terrible. That's why it got cancelled in the first place. But Absolutely. So like cash is king. Well, it seems to be. And the, U- the UEFA Cup is an interesting one. And this is going to spark debate, I guess, because technically it morphed into the Europa League. Yeah. But to me, they're two. And like, as you know, if you go on the Wikipedia page, it will say founded in 1960, whatever, and is still continuing. Yeah. But in reality, it's not. It, it, the UEFA Cup died in 2008 or whatever it was. To me, because it's, the Europa League is isn't comparable because the Europa League, in, although it is on paper very similar, um, it's still you still like the teams like Fulham and Middlesbrough, Spurs, Newcastle, Portsmouth. Those were the yeah. those were the teams in the noughties that had good cup runs in Europe, and it's like yeah. wow, you, you're watching Fulham against Juventus or Portsmouth facing Milan. Is, yeah. you don't see those ties anymore because the Europa League qualification process is so. Basically, they've winded up to different spectrums of different leagues and teams, which is good for the rest of Europe. Um, but means you don't get those Aston Villas in, and sure. teams like that. So in, uh, it, for the sake of the podcast and for the sake of nostalgia, I think the UEFA Cup, we need, although it's been rebranded, let's say, as the uh, Europa League, I think that tournament died in 2008. Yeah, I mean, any change of sort of format and change in like a qualification... Does make a tournament different, and we're you know we're about this time next year. It's going to be a lot of talk about that, right? With the yeah. change of Champions League and the Europa League and Europa Conference League into this Super League by the back door, like it's going to be a lot of talk about that next year. And I think a lot of people will start considering the Champions League as they know it to be dead. So we're just having like a retrospective conversation about a tournament no one cares about, but this time next year, people are going to really care about the. <laughs> Absolutely, and and with the World Cup as well next time round, yeah. what, six six whatever how many forty eight teams whatever, it is. Yeah. Um, maybe even more than that. Like it's 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 changing as we know it, and probably not for the better in all sake of it. And um, with that in mind, we do appreciate that. I'm going to keep these to a minimum because there's a lot we need to talk about today. Sure, there are a shitload of pre-season tournaments like the yes. Everett's Cup and all that bullshit. Yeah. They're not real trophies, <laughs> although although we will speak about a couple of them because there are some that are quite interesting. But they're not real trophies. They're no, kind of just like pre-season 
like Chinese oil money tournaments, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, we so we're not going to speak about those too much. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're going to kind of talk about tournaments that kind of, they had to have existed in the naughty somewhat, because as you said earlier on, Harry, there's a lot of good tournaments that kind of probably deserve honourable mentions that kind of ceased in the 90s and were abolished. Um, so we'll keep those over a minimum over the course of this podcast. And um, a lot of them are invitational tournaments as well. And once again, they don't really count. We want proper qualification process. Um, so we will focus on the tournaments that held some prestige. They meant something and were pride of silverware amongst the trophy cabinet. I'm talking Intertoto Cup, UEFA Cup, and of course, the Iberian Cup as well, uh, which has a very interesting history. Uh, we'll get on to it, I'm sure. We'll get on to it, I'm sure. Um, so this is the Team of All Irish Nautic Baseball Podcast. Thank you for joining us once again. Let's crack on. Um, so as you said, let's do some honourable mentions. Um, and these are just ones I quickly Google, to be honest. And ones that I kind of have heard about, or my dad speak about when he was younger. Again, these all ended in the 90s. The Debenhams Cup. Debenhams. Well, I mean, De- well, you've got to lot of the sponsors, haven't you? Just ages. I know. There was, like a, there was like a Texaco Cup, the Tesco Cup. There was all these like yeah. random club teams. The Anglo-Italian Cup is one that often crops up on like Twitter and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Le Tournoir, obviously famous, famous because England won it, I think, didn't they? 97, 96, 97. Uh, maybe. Um, yeah. And obviously Roberto Carlos scored that free kick in that tournament. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Umbro International Tournament, which oh, is all, t- all all teams sponsored by Umbro. Yes. Uh, in the 90s. What, Very bizarre. What, what a great concept for a brand to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Go on. I just like, I can sort of like just see how like the logo and things just like flash back into my mind for that. So I obviously, I joke about it now sounding like awful, but at the time I must've been somewhat wanting to watch it. Cause I, I, I remember like, I, I do have like a little nostalgia for it. What's strange. That's the thing. But back in the nineties, especially um, pre-season tournaments weren't really a thing, but invitational tournaments were. Mm-hmm. So in the summer, they wouldn't go off to Dubai for hot weather training or whatever, or to USA to do a mini tournament over there. They would go into these like very corporate tournaments because you know back when money wasn't as rife in the nineties, they would get quite a big cash prize out of it. So I think the top prize of the Umbro International Tournament was like a couple million quid, um, which back in the you know pretty much a whole team back in the nineties. So uh, yeah, there's a bit more of a prestige to it, I guess. Um, one of my favourites that no longer exists is the Latin Cup, um, which was just countries that used to speak Latin. <laughs> it was like it was so niche. It's it's so like it's so not needed. <laughs> but I, I kind of like that they created it. Yeah. I like to think that they all games are commentated on in Latin. Uh what was it or Keto Ergo Sum, I think, therefore I am at the start. Nessum Dorma at the start. That's Latin, isn't it? I believe so. Nessum Dorma. We've got Pavarotti at the start. <laughs> it could be amazing. Yeah. Let's bring it back. Absolutely. I think it was just Italian 90, really, wasn't it? <laughs> um, the Balkans Cup. Balkans Cup is actually one of the more interesting ones. I think it stopped in like 2000, to be fair. But it was all the club teams from the Balkans. So you get like Dynamo Zagreb, Galatasaray. So actually really good top tier teams that never really have much of a Champions League run. Yeah. Um, Fighting it out, which I thought was quite good. Um, the Cup of the Alps. So any any team that's located within the Alps, it's just like... Um, again, very niche. Again, not really needed. Um, but founded in 1998, 
um, and again, we will get onto the naughty stuff very, very soon, uh, was the Portsmouth Centenary <sighs> Tournament. Incredible. Now, Harry, did you know anything about this? Uh, to be honest, I would have been six years old and I don't think I was quite a Pompey fan at that point. So it was interesting for me to go and research this because, uh, yeah, it's, I don't hear it mentioned very much. Yeah, so it basically it featured four teams. Portsmouth. I don't know where they got these four teams from or why yeah. these four teams. So it was to celebrate the hundred years of Portsmouth existence or hundred years since they. Yeah. So like that. No, no, yeah, it would be a hundred years since they were founded. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So the teams involved were Portsmouth, Genoa, who were in Serie B at the time, uh, Wimbledon, who would just been promoted to the Prem, and yeah. uh, French side Sochaux. Um, which is weird. Um, so, first game, Portsmouth drew two off Genoa. Genoa won 8 7 on penalties. Quite an interesting game, to be fair. Uh, Show beat Wimbledon 4 3 on penalties. Portsmouth, uh, Wimbledon. So, it was a round robin tournament, really. Uh, Portsmouth lost to Wimbledon 3 1. And then Show beat Genoa 2 1 in the final. Um, and then the only players that I actually knew from show or uh, <laughs> or uh, or Genoa. Genoa had a young Matteo Ferrari. He obviously went on to play for Italy, Roma, and Inter Milan, and a very very young El Hadjif for the French side, Sasho. Um, there you go. But yeah, very weird. I do like it when teams you know are celebrating a milestone, and they, yeah. you know what, we'll put on a few tournaments. And, and we don't know it's abolished yet. Come twenty ninety eight. Well, that's, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point, to be fair. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good. that's why we have not really counted it, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I do feel like maybe you're picking on me a little bit. You're like, oh, I'm going to find a tournament where Portsmouth hosted it and didn't win a single game, and we'll talk about that. Yeah, that's <laughs> nice. Hey, it's the only one that's been, you know, no longer <laughs> exists, to be fair. If there was another tournament where they won, I'd, I'd be sure to mention it. Um, so, yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, so, obviously, that's not in the noughties. So, let's, what we've got for you in this first section I guess ladies and gentlemen is um, we've got a few honourable mentionable tournaments and these tournaments are kind of as we alluded to in the intro um, they they kind of pre-season tournaments they're a bit elusive whether they actually are a good gold stamp on your CV as a footballer and whether you'd be proud to have this as a trophy so we're going to rattle through these quickly and we'll spend a bit more time on the likes of the UEFA and Intertoto Cup I don't know Jeff has it I must have missed that Red card. Uh, so starting off, the Amsterdam tournament founded in 1975, deceased, abolished in 2009. So this is actually quite a long-running tournament. Yeah. So I, I'd say this is quite established. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember uh, it's always sort of like pre-season, right? So I, I remember that when the Emirates Cup started, it felt like that's what they were going for was the Amsterdam Cup. Um so I remember it being like the Amsterdam tournament. I remember it being you know, it was a pre season sort of invitational tournament sort of wasn't it? But it felt it still felt like there was a little bit of prestige to it. But I think it probably is because it ran so long and it was sort of interesting because it was a big team doing it, I suppose. Yeah, maybe it was abolished in uh twenty ten because uh, it was interfering with Ajax's Champions League qualification. I think too that's much, when they too many fixtures nowadays. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I think it, they didn't automatically qualify. They had to go through the uh, yeah. 
But it's funny how they've done that. And it's like, well, you know what? We'll just won't have it again. It's <laughs> too much of a ball ache by yeah. the sounds of it. Um, but it was won by Barcelona in 2000. Ajax then won it in 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004. Uh, Arsenal won it in 2005 Man United won it in 2006 Arsenal won it again in 2007 and 2008 the last ever one in 2009 was won by Benfica uh, Ajax came second and weirdly Sunderland came third yeah. that's all weird. makes you realise I think by then maybe it's already lost its uh, but, exactly. big teams maybe but then when does Sunderland get to play Benfica Ajax and no, Atletico yeah, Madrid incredible for Sunderland yeah incredible you know I mean now, now they're playing fucking Burton Albion there's some, you know, I know it's it's always a bit silly, but there is something nice when you've got a preseason and one of the big teams turn up. So, you know, for a few years, Portsmouth would, would have like an Inter Milan come over or something for the preseason. Obviously, we don't do that anymore. We can't afford yeah. But there was something <laughs> fun about that. Or like, even if it was Rangers, like, even though you know it's preseason game, nothing matters. There's still something nice about watching your team against an established team. So, I'm sure Sunderland were having the time of their life in Amsterdam. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely indeed. Um, another tournament was the Russian Railways Cup, which was a pre-tournament held in Moscow. So again, doesn't really count. Um, this is only held twice, though, in 2007 and in 2008, due to lack of interest. Um, the winners in 2007 were PSV, beating Real Madrid 2-1 in the final. That would have been a game and a half. Yeah. And then 2008, Seville beat Locomotive Moscow 3-0. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a great, it's a great name, the Russian Railways Cup. Okay, but... it's, it's a bit like <laughs> the Charity Shield. It doesn't like, you know, what I mean, it's it doesn't yeah. really. It's not the it's not the Champions League. It's not the World Cup. It's exactly. kind of like. Uh... I'm guessing it's probably linked to the fact that there's so many railway-based names for Russian. Teams. Yeah, so yeah, all, all the Russian teams are kind of named off the trades, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Like Spartak is like the electricians' guild or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird. Um, but yeah, very bizarre, bloody Russians. Um, <laughs> this one I found very interesting, mainly because of the name. Imagine having the arrogance to call your tournament the Royal League. Oh, mate, it's incredible. Mad. So this was um, between 2004 and 2007, the four best-placed teams in the football leagues of Denmark, Norway, and Sweden uh, participate in the tournament. There was discussion of expanding the league to include the winners um of the Finnish and Icelandic Premier Divisions, uh, but this never happened. In 2007-08 season, um, it was cancelled for financial reasons. Um, and it was always... So the tournament happened three times, and it was always won by a Danish team, Copenhagen winning the first two, and then Bromby winning the last one in 2007. Again, if you're going to call something the Royal League, you, you, you know, you've got to invest in it, haven't you? You can't... You can't yeah, the fact yeah, it ran for three seasons. Well, what What... What I love about it is that it's an attempt to, um, you know, create Scandinavian Champions League, right? What, in a sense, is a really cool idea because these teams don't get to go far in Champions League. Yeah. Um, but I think because it's not the Champions League, you're just not going to get the broadcasting deal with the Champions League get, right? And that's probably what, what's killed it off. But you've got to imagine in the meeting, they're like, we want to be better than champions. What's better? Royal. We've all had royal families. <laughs> yes, incredible. And it, that's what like, the level of the name in there. But I really like it as an idea. I like this idea of like smaller countries having a chance at winning something. But it just, I think it's hard to start something from new, isn't it? When you're competing against something with, yeah, and, and Copenhagen, uh, they're in the Champions League relatively regularly yeah. as well. I think, um, yeah, I can see. Uh, here's one I vaguely remembered. Do you remember the Peace Cup? It's yeah. I feel like it was a weird one though. It was like on Eurosport. 
now and then. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, one of those dodgy channels. You can sometimes yeah. get for, get like thirty minutes for free. You got to pay the subscription. Um, so the Peace Cup was an invitational pre-season friendly football tournament. So again, doesn't really count on the CV. Uh, for club teams that were held every two years by the Sun Moon Peace Football Foundation, uh, which is Korean, I think. Uh, it was usually contested by eight clubs from several continents, um, though in 2009, 12 teams participated. Um, the first three competitions were held in South Korea, and the 2009 Peace Cup was held in Madrid and Andalusia in Spain. It ran from 2003 until 2012, so prime noughties, really. Um the fifth competition took place again in South Korea in July 2012, and four teams, which had South Korean players, entered. A bit racist. Um, <laughs> in October 2012, it was announced the Peace Cup will no longer be held following the death of Unification Church founder Sun Myung Moon. So that must be the only tournament to be cancelled because of a death of someone. Yeah. It's, it's, it sounds like to me what's happened is the guy that ran the church was the man who was completely into running this tournament. Mm. And as soon as he died, yeah. the church went, oh, that's, we don't want to spend money on a football tournament. And Absolutely. But the fact it's called the Peace Cup and they cancelled it sort of suggests, well, we found world peace finally. We don't need the tournament anymore. Like, yeah, it is, it is it's weird. It's an odd one. Quite right, in, quite, quite right in what you're saying. It, he was the head of the church. He was like, oh, I really like football. And yeah, we're going to have like, some weird link to Korean players. So yeah. we're gonna we're gonna make this tournament. It's only gonna be held in Korea, other than in 2009, where I fancy a bit of a holiday to Spain uh, with the church's money. And then as soon as like as soon as he dies, <laughs> you'd hate to be the accountant for that unification <laughs> yeah. church. It's like, turns out all that money we've been collecting, it was spent on the football, <laughs> and not a lot went to the elderly or wherever we give our money to. Um, weird, very weird. Having said that, it was it was it was ran like a proper tournament. They had top goal scorer lists, they had golden balls and stuff. Um, so uh, again, two thousand three, the champions were PSV Eindhoven. Two thousand five, Tottenham Hotspur won it. Uh, oh, they won seven, something. they did. So add that to the list. Saying <laughs> they never won a trophy, they won the Peace Cup in two thousand five. <laughs> um, two thousand seven, Lyon won it against Bolton Wanderers in the final. One 0 What? what what an absolute giant. Uh, oh, I tell you what, the English team has done quite well. When it was held in Spain in uh, 2009, Aston Villa beat Juventus on penalties. Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm coming over to this game. I'm coming over <laughs> to this trophy. Bring, that, what a game that back. would have been. Bring it back, yeah. Four free on penalties. What we need to do, Ollie, is start our own church to then start our own football. Nah, it's, not, it's not start our own church. Just get in the church and like oh. make make friends the Archbishop of Canterbury and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the start the, <laughs> the Anglican <laughs> Royal League. Yes, <laughs> I love it. And it's like only you only really you need four South Koreans to uh, <laughs> no no you, no you've got to be a member of the church to like um, to have your team involved. So it's just like a load of Brazilian players like Kaka and all these yeah, players that used to kiss the sky and stuff. Mohamed Salah and um, <laughs> Inter Religion Cup. <laughs> Here comes the Buddhist team. They've, they're yet to put in a tackle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I love it. This is, this is bad. Um, and the final one was won by Hamburg in 2012. Um, golden ball winners include Park Chi Sung, Robbie Keane, Karen Benzema, Ashley Young, Marcus Berg. Silver ball winners, Iron Robin, Mido, Yussi Askelainen. Weird one. Oh. Must have... Uh, 
Oh, really? Yeah. Weird one. Hulk uh, and Bronze Balls as well with the likes of Mark Van Bowell, Lee Young Pio, Nicholas Amel Nelka, and Mark Albrighton <laughs> at the tournament of his life in the, uh, <laughs> in the Peace Cup. Uh, you're gonna have what look, you, you want to, you, you have to choose, especially when you're gonna have these moments. Some people wanted the World Cup, Albrighton knew where he wanted it. Peace Cup, that's the cup. To be fair, he must have scored a winning penalty or something against Juventus. Turned it, turned it on then. Yeah, fair play. Still, still playing now. Won, didn't he win a Premier League for Leicester? Pretty sure he did. Yeah, but it didn't feel as good as uh, getting the bronze ball in the Peace Cup. Yeah, true. Uh, moving on then. Um, they should bring back the Peace Cup, uh, abolish tournaments of the North season. Right then, so those were the, kind of the honourable mentions, I guess. Um, but the next tournaments we're going to speak about are kind of real, legit tournaments that clubs would be proud to have a trophy of this particular tournament in their cabinet. Players would have the medals, pride of place on the mantelpiece. Um, these tournaments actually meant something you know, kind of very important, like the UEFA Cup, the Intertoto Cup. But there might be a few in here, listeners, that you may not have heard of before. And um, we're going to start off with the London Challenge Cup, founded in 1908, just creeps into the noughties as it was abolished in the year 2000. Um, have you ever heard of this, Harry? Uh, yes, but that's only because we obviously play like for Hampshire Cup. So I've looked up like for sort of similar cups to that before and I've stumbled upon it through that. Um, but yeah, I, I like. <laughs> It's interesting because we're going to why it stopped. I mean, was, but yeah, I like the idea of sort of area-based cups as an idea like from the past. But mm. I think they don't quite fit into the modern game. And oh, well, they, they do, don't they? Do it in um, the conference because obviously, like, they haven't got the budget to Plymouth or well, bad example of Plymouth, but like Truro in Cornwall haven't really got yeah. the budget to be playing a team sure. in yeah. Newcastle. Yeah, so you have your like little area cups, and I suppose it still makes yeah it makes sense there. And I think it probably used to be a big deal before they were uh, before other cups became much more valuable, and the league became what it became. So I feel like they were sort of relics of the past. So it's quite nice that they're still there, but uh, with this one, obviously, it didn't make it. And I think it's interesting to. to because it's London and the teams became too big, it's probably why it didn't make it, right? Yeah, well, let's, well, let's read on. Uh, the London Challenge Cup. It lasted nearly 100 years, which is Crazy. why I was like, you know, well, we'll get to the Millennium. It's got a big dome now. <laughs> if anything, they got the, they got the perfect venue for it, the Millennium Dome. They're like, nope, it's done. <laughs> it's done. Um, it was a football tournament formally organised by the London FA, so in its own separate uh, football association. It was first contested in 1908, and other than the uh, other than the, during the World War period, uh, was contested every season until 1974, when the tournament was disbanded. So this tournament has been disbanded not once but twice. Um, after a 16-year hiatus, the tournament was resurrected in the 1990-91 season, but only lasted 10 years before it once again was discontinued. Um, its original guys, uh, the tournament was won by most of the major professional clubs in London. Um, such as Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham Hotspur and West Ham United. But the quality of entrance after the revival was lower, uh, with all the winners except Leighton Orient in 92-93 being non-league clubs. Uh, the last team to win it were Uxbridge United, who were the last winners in 2000. So, yeah, I suppose it, it became like a non-league sort of cup then, because I suppose 
you could turn down being in it. And I suppose all the big clubs are like, well, we've got other things we need to be focusing on. We can't play in the London Challenge Cup. Um, yeah, I know. I think these things are a shame, though, because they are sort of part of British uh, like league history that are just sort of disappearing. And it seems, yeah, it seems a bit sad. But That's a bit. That's a bit. But, yeah, I can't imagine Arsenal wanting to take time out of their Premier League season for a yeah. London-based cup where they're going to play Oxford. Yeah, exactly. You're quite right. Um, moving on is the Cupper Mercosa that started in 1998 and only lasted until 2001. Uh, it was a football competition played from 1998 to 2001 by the traditional top clubs from Brazil, Argentina, Paraguay, Uruguay, and Chile. Uh, the competition was created by Con... I can never say this properly. Conmebol, which is like the hmm. kind of UEFA of South America. Uh, it was created to generate TV money uh, to the participating teams, but it went beyond and ended up together with Cupler Mercanorte uh, as a natural replacement for the Connebol Cup. Um, <clears throat> these two were replaced in 2002 by the Copa Sudamericana, uh, which is like their version of the one of their versions of the Champions League now, yeah. like a UEFA Cup and Champions League version. Um, so I guess this was the pre UEFA Cup to them in a way. Yeah. But only lasted a few years. Um, so in 1998, it was won by Brazilian team Palmeiras. Uh, Flamengo won it in 1999. Vasco da Gama won it in 2000. And it was last won by San Lorenzo of Argentina in 2001. Um, but this sounds like a pretty big tournament. Like the one in 2001, yeah. it was held at the Maracan R. So like one of the biggest stadiums in the world. So it must have drawn in quite a crowd. Yeah, this is, this is where it gets interesting of whether the trophies mean anything to the fans anymore. Because... If it if it follows the lineage of to become a Sudamericana Americana, and you know teams are going to be happy to win that, stands to reason that they were happy to win this in the three years that four years it existed. Um, but yeah, but where does that now stand in like your pantheon? Like, do teams do you know do teams still count it, or do they just does it come under the umbrella of Sudamericana, Americana? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, it's a good point. You have to ask a fan of a South American team, I guess. And uh, I suppose there's been so many years since they've had the other tournaments that maybe it doesn't. Yeah, they don't, don't recognise it anymore. No, um, the Newcastle care about the Intertoto Cup anymore? I'll tell you what, we'll get on to that because the Intertoto Cup, I, it, I thought it was something completely different to what it actually was. We'll okay. get on to it, but I thought it was like a proper like round of 32 knockout, but it's not that at all. Um, uh, we'll get we'll get on to it, listeners. We've intrigued you, hopefully. So keep listening. Um, uh, the Iberian Cup the Iberian Cup uh, from 1935 till 2005 it ceased to exist um, also called the Iberian Super Cup it's a friendly association football international competition between Portuguese and Spanish clubs and uh, disputed by two teams one Portuguese and one Spanish uh, that were champions in a major competition uh, very much like a Super Cup so obviously the FA Cup against the Premier League that kind of situation Um and the, the idea of the tournament was to find out which was the best team of the Iberian Peninsula. But get this, there's only been five... Well, this is this is where it gets a bit technical. So the tournament was hosted in 1935, 1983, 1981... Uh, 1991, sorry. 2000 and 2005 when it finished. But they did bring it back under a different name, the Iberian Cup or something... Super Cup in 2019. Okay. 
so it was officially kind of ceased in 2005, but then did do a, a kind of they're all another, very, very like sporadic, yeah, yeah, very weird. And then just after that game, COVID happened, so you know, I think we know oh, who's to blame, yeah, yeah, I think that's what it was. So the, the Iberian bats, that's what it was. <laughs> um. But yeah, quite, quite again, quite an interesting idea. I quite like the idea of this. Like the champions yeah. of Portugal against the champions of Spain makes sense. You again, you're not spending too much money. You're right next door to each other. Um, it's a bit like the Ashes. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like every so every so often, Australia against England, and I like it. Yeah, pride of place there. I kind of like this. I feel, I feel like what looking at what we've seen so far, it seems a lot like local FAs or or countries FAs setting up tournaments that don't seem that popular uh, in the eyes of maybe UEFA and wanting to be in part of UEFA's tournaments. Um, and, and I wonder if this is one of these where they find it hard to to get a date because the clubs are too, you know, the clubs that are in it might want to focus more on the UEFA tournaments, like for Champions League. Maybe. And that's why you can't get these happening as much. But uh, yeah, it seems like a really good idea. Like the, like the Ashes is a great comparison. Like, we don't see enough of that. Like you could have that in football, where two teams, God, like, you know, imagine like a, a Ryder Cup series between, yeah, like between like England and I don't know, say like England and uh, Scotland had like you know, you know the home nation sort of idea, isn't it? If you had that sort of stuff going on still, I don't see why you can't have that in a way. I like, I like that. Yeah, I do. I do too. They should have like the United Kingdom Cup or something, where it's just yeah. like the home nations, a bit like the. Um, uh, Six Nations, that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. I think it should be more smaller, fair, but I don't think that's popular opinion. Uh, <laughs> probably not, no. So um, the champions in 1935 are Porto. Uh, in 1983, Benfica. Atletico Madrid won in 1991. Uh, Sporting Club Portugal won it in 2000. Vitoria won it in 2005. And the last champions 2019 were Porto uh, once more. So they've won the Iberian Cup the most times. Um, <clears throat> a little Very closer to... Heavy. Sorry? Winners very Portuguese heavy as well. Yeah, only Atletico Madrid are the only non non Portuguese team to win. I wonder if it was taken more seriously by the Portuguese. Although, like, although Real Madrid did play in it in two thousand. Well, there you go. Yeah, lost to uh, Sporting Lisbon. Real Betis have been in there a few times as well. There we go. Um, moving on a little bit closer to home, the Conference League Cup. Um, this competition was formed in nineteen seventy nine and ceased dead in the noughties at the end of the noughties 2009 is when it ceased um, the competition was formed in the inaugural season of what was then called the Alliance Premier League which is kind of that mm. lower, lower tier of football existed for 22 seasons before being axed at the end of 2000, 2001 season it was briefly reformed from the 0405 season in the form of the Conference Challenge Cup um, but following a poor response it was again agreed not to renew the competition for the next season uh, with the transfer of sponsorship of the conference to Blue Square, oh, classic Blue Square conference, um, <laughs> for the start of the 2007-08 season, two seasons later, the reintroduction of the competition was announced. Scheduled to commence that year, on the 23rd of June 2009, the Conference League Cup sponsor, Satanta GB, went into administration <laughs> and ceased broadcasting. Broadcasting. Um, so the tournament has not been held since 2009. So the last tournament, 2008-09, the tournament did happen, but only the first half of it was broadcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> only the, so you couldn't watch it on like TV. No one, no one 
even wanted to pick up for rights. You know, you could have bought him out of admin, surely, just for rights. Like, you know, you thought not. Channel Five might be like, do you know what? What else are we showing on a Sunday? So but, basically, yeah, this this competition was billed as the FA Cup version of non-league. Yeah, and was kind yeah. of kind of special. But there's no TV. But yeah, for, for for last season, like you couldn't watch it <laughs> unless you went to yeah. the game. Um, so sticking with the naughty then. Uh, 2000 2001 season, Chester City won. Um, and then 04 05, when it was the Conference Cup, Woking won it. And then the last two, Satanta Shield. Obviously, Satanta went into uh, administration to so just a shield, I think they must have called it. Um, Aldershot Town, our very own Aldershot Town, 07 08, yes. won it then. So me and Harry used to go and watch them in the university days. Downtown then, Aldershot Town. Absolutely. Super, super Dan, super, super Dan, super Danny Hilton. Danny Hilton. Oh, what a player. Is he still kicking about? Must be. It was at Luton in town. Um, uh, Telford United were the last winners. Uh, and they beat Roris, uh, Forest Green Rovers in the final. There we go. Oh, They're doing go. quite well now in League One. Wow. There we go. We've got any stats on uh, the final here? Old Short Town won on penalties. Bloody hell. I know, did they? Yeah, they did. They won on penalties. Jesus Christ. And yeah, yeah, 4,000 in attendance, which isn't bad. Yeah, no. I mean, so is there no equivalent to this for them now? Uh, I don't know, to be honest. I think there, there must be some sort of... Conf- oh, we've got the FA Vars trophy, and you've got like the yeah. Papa John's and stuff. So that's just for Leagues 1 and 2, isn't it? Yeah. And there must be... Yeah, there's definitely a yeah. League Cup version of the conference. Yeah, it'd be a shame if it... That sort of competition was gone from forever. But yeah, it's a shame to lose that heritage, though, isn't it? You know, you want to be able to say it's got that lineage from 79 onwards. But there we go. Indeed. Uh, moving on. Here's what I remember, but I never really knew what it was. Do you remember a little thing called the Intercontinental Cup? <laughs> to me, it sounds like what the Euros would be would be called on pre-evolution career mode. <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah. So, you yeah, know... I sort of remember it. Remember a couple of years ago when Liverpool were winning everything and they won the FIFA World Club Cup? Yeah. And they were like, Liverpool fans like, it's a proper trophy or we've won, we've won the quadruple, all this kind of bullshit. Yeah. Well, that's what it was. So, um, it ran from 1960 to 2004. So, I'll tell you what, okay. it, 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 as you said, that's good, good lineage there. Um, when it was succeeded by the FIFA Club World Championship, although in the year 2000 they run concurrently, so you could win both technically in the year oh. 2000. Um, from 1980 until, until 2004, the tournament was held in Japan only. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not not sure why that is. That's I, I very think, intercontinental to be held on one continent. Very intercontinental oriental. <laughs> Can you say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, it was always held in Japan. So, yeah, uh, Tokyo, in, in the noughties as well, it was Tokyo, 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 Yokohama, Yokohama, Yokohama. Um, what is that because it was like a neutral venue? And obviously, if, you, if, if it was an American team against a... Well, spoiler alert, there's no American teams. Um, what are the attendance? It's like, were they making a lot yeah. of money on Japanese attendance? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what well, used to be known as the Toyota Toshiba Cup. It's, yeah. um, Intercontinental Cup. So this was the, the winners of the Champions League um, against, obviously, the winners of the South American version or whatever. So um, some quite interesting um, 
team. So obviously, I, I, obviously in, in I, the only reason I remember this in particular is because Man United in 1999 got in quite a bit of trouble. Because do you remember they entered this competition instead of turning up to the FA Cup game? Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. So I always thought that was just for... So that story always is in my head. I just thought it was always the Club World Cup, but yeah, it's okay. So it's no, always... it was the yeah, it was the Intercontinental Intercontinental Cup, and Man United won one nil against uh, Paul Limas. So in a way, a quadruple Liverpool fans. Um, yeah. In two thousand, Boca Juniors beat Real Madrid in Tokyo two one, and that would have been a Boca Juniors side with the likes of like Raquel May and like Tevez coming through. That would have been a fucking good game. Uh, two thousand one, yeah. Bayern Munich beat Boca Juniors. Uh, 2002, Real Madrid beat Olympia uh, 2-0 of Paraguay. 2003, Boca Juniors uh, beat in, uh, AC Milan on penalties, 3-1. A really good game as well, to be fair. And the final edition in 2004 was won on by Porto, uh, beating Colombian side once Caldas 8-7 on penalties. There what further? I find I find the idea of like this and the World Cup uh, the World Club Cup to be super interesting, and uh, I feel like you know they have the potential. Like you say that sort of Boca Madrid final have the potential to be like really big, but I find it super interesting that in Europe it's just never really been taken that seriously. Yeah, in South America they they sort of do take it a bit more seriously. I don't think they take it that seriously, but more than we do. And obviously FIFA are now going to reformat this as well, aren't they? And try and make it more like the World Cup be every four years now for full winners of uh, so that. I can see even FIFA think it has a lot of potential. And I think it does, but I just don't, I can't imagine, I don't know, I don't see us all of a sudden taking it seriously when we haven't for so long in Europe. Yeah, maybe, maybe. We just speak about attendances. Yeah, they had 52,000 turn up for the Real Madrid Boca game in which Boca beat uh, Real Madrid 2-1. There you go. That's Roberto, what Roberto, Yeah, Roberto Carlos on the score sheets there. But they put out a full strength side. They've got Luis Figo, McAlady, Bobby Carlos, Raul. Um, full yeah. strength side there. The, um, yeah, Bayern Munich game had a similar attendance as well. What a team they had back then as well. Uh, Raquel May there playing for Boca Juniors. Bloody hell. What a team. Um, again, Real Madrid, Olympiad over 66,000. Milan, Boca Juniors over 66,000 as well. That, again, that full strength AC Milan side with Kaka, Shevchenko, Perlo, Gattuso, Cafu. Um, I can I can understand why FIFA then came in and said we're hosting our own version of this, <laughs> getting all these attendance numbers. Yeah, and then I suppose the last version in Yokohama had forty five thousand. I okay. suppose that was because it was Porto into that Colombian side. Yeah. Um. So yeah, interesting. I said, interesting indeed. Um. Right then, on to the bread and butter. Then on to the bread and butter. Here's one I knew about and fondly remember watching. The Inter Toto Cup, Harry thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember watching watching it on. Oh, I don't know, was it Channel Five? Maybe I remember watching it on TV um, as a kid, and it being, you know, sort of important. <laughs> um, obviously, we spoke about I mentioned earlier. I re- the thing I really remember is obviously Newcastle went on to win it, um, and even then, I remember there still being some conversation of, but is it a real trophy? Almost, um, but that's just other fans. Well, we'll get on to that, I suppose. Um, because this the format of this tournament has changed like three or four times. Okay, so I think it was initially when it started out a kind of um, you know, traditional pyramid style tournament with an original winner, 
But by the end, in the mid noughties it ended up just being whatever team qualified furthest in the Champions League or UEFA Cup. So let's say, well, for example, well, spoiler alert, when Newcastle won it, it wasn't because they beat a team in the final. It's because they reached the furthest stage of the UEFA Cup. They got to the quarterfinals, oh. I think. Okay. And none of the other teams did. So they were just given the title of winners. And then a few years before that, there was like six or seven winners a year. There wasn't just one winner. There was like six or seven winners from the different, because there were so many teams competing from throughout Europe. Okay. There was, there was six or seven winners in a year. So when I saw like Aston Villa had won the Intertoto Cup, I was like, you know, it was a good, oh yeah, I swear I remember watching that on TV when Aston Villa had a good team. Turns out, like seven other teams won it with them. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So it was a bit weird. We'll get into the specifics in a minute, listeners, because I, I, I guarantee we're not the only ones, Harry. I guarantee mm. most people have remembered this tournament wrong. Whenever I hear Newcastle fans on TalkSport going, are we into Tota Cup this? And no one picks them up on this information. They didn't win shit. They got to the round 16 of the UEFA Cup. That isn't, that. you didn't win the into Tota Cup. They didn't like have a trophy ceremony. They didn't have an open top bus or anything. They kind of just they were just given this title. It's given it amazing. Um, but let's get into it. It was actually founded in 1961 um, and finished in 2008, um, kind of with the combination of the new format of the Europa League, kind of killing it off. Uh, originally called the International Football Cup, it was a summer football competition. Um, so this wasn't a pre-season tournament. Just to clarify, this isn't a pre-season tournament. This was a tournament where people would. Uh, and teams, perhaps uh, smaller teams, quotation marks, were trying to qualify for European football. Um, this was their route in, and it was a proper cup competition. Uh, teams who originally would have entered the Intertoto Cup now will directly enter the qualifying stages of the Europa League from this point, uh, post-2008. So that's what happens now. Um, but also, it was an invitational tournament as well. Uh, okay. No, it wasn't. Um, no, you had to apply. Sorry, you had to apply to be in this tournament. So I, f- I think as long as you, your team is in like a decent rank within your, yeah. within your home nation, you're allowed to apply for entry into this tournament. And if you got accepted into the tournament and you got into the tournament late stages, you get into the UEFA Cup. So, so for countries where we don't talk about football, like Lithuania, Latvia, yeah. Norway, it was a chance for those teams to get into like the, like the proper big competitions, which yeah, is why I, which was why I kind of like this tournament. Um, so yeah, so it's formed in 1961, but it was in 1995 where it really started to change shape. Uh, yeah. when UEFA kind of re you know, a couple of years after the change from the European Cup to the Champions League, and they started rejiggling things a bit, and there was more money in football. Um, UEFA had re um, basically revamped it, took official control of the tournament, and changed its format. Initially, um, two winners were given a place in the UEFA Cup, um, so every the two finalists, essentially, of the Intertoto Cup were given two places in the UEFA Cup. Again, giving small teams a chance to qualify into Europe, etc. Um, the success uh, of one of the first winners, Bordeaux, who actually... Re- oh, yeah, they did. Um, yeah, so Bordeaux reached... They were kind of... They won the Intertoto Cup. Because of that, they qualified for the UEFA Cup. And then they reached the final of the UEFA Cup in 95-96. Um, so, obviously, this was alarm bells going off. The UEFA and FIFA saying, you know what? We may have a bloody good tournament here. And this encouraged UEFA to add a third UEFA Cup place in 1996. Um, but by the mid noughties so um, fast forward 10 years, um, 11 teams eventually ended up qualifying for the UEFA Cup. So the Intertoto Cup, this is why you don't see the Fulhams, the Aston Villas, the West Ham's, 
in as much European football as you did back then is because they used to give 11 spots away to qualify for Europe. That's mad, isn't it? Yeah. So it was a feeder tournament. Uh, I, I definitely remember even being confusion when it became... Um, when the Europa League like uh, came around, I remember people still being like, I don't know what it's called, Intertoto, UEFA, Europa. Do you know what I mean? I remember that being like a thing. But yeah, uh, So I always, I think maybe from that, I presumed it was more of a lineage to that. But So it's a separate tournament where you apply for it, gives lower ranked teams a chance to qualify for Europe. Yeah, I like it. It's good. I mean, I, I suppose with the expense, the hope is with the expansion of the Europa League and the Europa Conference, you're going to see more of those sort of smaller teams get further, right? But, I suppose so. But what I quite like is that... We have missed it. Yeah, I think there were like a few championship teams or Div 1 teams in the 90s that kind of like got relegated and then played in the Intertoto Cup. I think Nottingham yeah. Forest or something like that. Um, no, Sheffield Wednesday as well. I think they were in the Intertoto Cup despite playing Div 1. I, I love that. Like Sheffield Wednesday playing against like Braga or like Dynamo Zagreb or something. Um but yeah, I really like this kind of idea. I, I think 11 teams qualifying is maybe a bit too many, but yeah. I like the I, I just love the idea of watching maybe, I don't know, um, a Watford or something, you know, against Athletic Madrid and maybe yeah. having a chance. Um, so when the competition was taken over in 1995, the format um, was both a group stage and a knockout, which it wasn't in the noughties, of course. 60 teams were split into 12 groups of five. Uh, with the best 16 teams then contesting for the knockout stage. So basically, there was two massive, massive group stages. There were two huge group stages, okay. and then the best 16 would fight it out for for the final. Um, contesting for the knockout stage with two-leg ties at each stage. Uh, the two winning finalists, so there were two kind of separate uh, bands, yeah. so to speak, um, would qualify for the UEFA Cup. In 96-97, um, just the 12 group winners entered the knockout round, uh, with now three finalists advancing. Uh, nations were allocated places according to their UEFA um, coefficients and um, other works for UEFA tournaments, and that's basically league rankings and that kind of stuff. Um, but then it really changed in 2006. So from, 2000, uh, from the 2006 tournament, the format for the Cup changed again. There were three rounds instead of the previous five, and the 11 winning teams from the third round went through um, to the second qualifying round of the UEFA Cup. So not only would you go through, but you'd go through the second round of the UEFA Cup um, qualifying stage. Yeah, by essentially 11 teams as well. So that's when you'd see all these kind of like mid-ranking Premier League teams in in, in the tournament. Um, the clubs which were furthest in the UEFA Cup would be awarded would be awarded with a trophy. So they didn't play in like a knockout final yeah. or anything. Yeah, it, don't count. Um, so the first <laughs> the first club, the first club that received that trophy was Newcastle United. And it wasn't even a trophy, it was a plaque. Incredible. So I, I really, I really want to hear from Newcastle fans, especially the ones I hear on fucking talk sports saying, oh, we won the Intercoco Cup. No, you got a plaque. You got one of those fucking blue plaques that says that fucking Charles Darwin once sat here and smoked his pipe. You know, this would be so disappointing, wouldn't it? To go on a stadium tour and you come up to a trophy cabinet and they're like, and here's our plaque, the Intertoto plaque. Yeah, oh, that's disappointing. So part of mythology almost, uh, Newcastle's Intertoto win. Yeah, it's a bit because whenever I, whenever that UEFA Cup and kind of you, 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 the, the format 
you know got the Conference League on tonight, for example, you always always think of Aston Villa, Aston Villa winning it. Um, but I think when Aston Villa did win it, actually, I think they legit won a trophy. I can't remember. Oh, they no. Um, so basically, 2006, 11 teams went through, and then of those 11 teams, whatever team went furthest in the UEFA yeah. Cup would win the plaque. <laughs> um, but before 2006, 2000, 2000, 2001, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 97, 98, three te- there'd be three finalists, and those three finalists would get a bye into the UEFA Cup. Um, yeah. So when Aston Villa so won it... Through, less, of a t- less of a tournament and more of just a... Uh, a bye. Yeah, a way into another tournament. It's yeah, strange. so we'll, we'll get onto the tournaments in the noughties in a minute. But essentially, Newcastle... Do you think it counts as a proper trophy? Is it, uh, not, not at all. But, not at all, no. But then they, they did qualify for the first tournament, but then you just count that tournament as like group stage favorites, don't you? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Um, um, so we'll get on to that in a minute. Um, but in the other tournaments in the noughties as well, so we, you'd have three final, you had three finals. Yeah. Um, and then those three finalists would go into the UEFA Cup. So they would get a trophy. But then again, does it really count if you're like, well, you've, won, you've won one of three trophies? It's, all, it's a little bit like when three teams come up to the Premier League, right? The playoff team get a trophy, but the team that came second were better than them. They don't get a trophy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, it's a bit. Playoff. You know, you know what this is like? This is what? like. This is like when you watch Flubber as a kid. Right. And you go, this is one of the greatest films of all time. And then you, <laughs> then you, <laughs> and then you, yeah, and then you watch it as an adult, and you go, it's just a bit shit. Oh, <laughs> it's that realization of this like thing you had as a child. It's just a bit crap. Yeah, for sure. You've sort of broke my heart about Flubber, but I've not watched it since being a child. I still remember it being a masterpiece. Oh, well, don't watch it again. Oh, it's, a, it's very weird. Um, so before 2006, the cup competition had teams from all over Europe apply and would throw up once-in-a-lifetime fixtures for small-town clubs such as Aberystwyth Town, Cork City, Bohemians, Bangor City, Lisburn Distillery, and Newcastle United. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Flubber Cup. Yeah, the, f- <laughs> the Flubber Cup. But this is what I'm trying to say. It's like, because um, they would obviously take into account British leagues as well. So like the Welsh League, the Northern Irish League, the Irish League, the FIA. So you would get, you know, small teams like Aberystwyth Town would play teams like Sporting Lisbon or like some the, the Lithuanian champions would have to come over to Bangor Town or Bangor City and play them, you know. And you don't, I don't, I must, I must still go on to a certain degree, but I don't think the Welsh League is that as high as it used to be in the FIFA rankings. So I don't think they qualify as much anymore. Um, But this is what the Intertoto Cup did do, even if it is completely fraudulent tournament. It did offer up (laughs) these fixtures. Um, So this is, I hope you guys listening are learning a lot here because what we found out is that Newcastle do not have a claim to Europe at all. (laughs) Um, But let's go through the tournaments in the noughties then. So in 2000, as I said, there's, there's obviously three finals. The first final was um, between Celta Vigo and Zenit St. Petersburg. Uh, Celta Vigo won 4-3 on aggregate because there's two legs. Um, Sigma Olomachuk lost 4-6 to Udinese. I suppose that's what's a good thing. We talk about small teams. That Czech Republic team, Sigma, you know, made it to a final technically, I guess. Um, Auger lost 3-1 to Stuttgart. Um, interesting about the tournament in 2000. Get this. Bradford City went out in the semi-finals to Zenit St. Petersburg. 
That is a fixture I never knew I needed. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure people in Bradford still speak about that. <laughs> but yeah, no, incredible. Like, I suppose Bradford were, were a good team back then as well. But yeah. I don't think we'll see St. Petersburg in a, a tournament for a while. <laughs> yeah, fair point. <laughs> fair point. Um, yeah, fair point. 2001 then, this is, um, again, three finals. Uh, Aston Villa beat Basel 5-2 in aggregate. Um, uh, PSG won their final on away goals to Brescia. Um, do you do you know who scored for Brescia? Coming in, Roberto Baggio. Ah, oh, last club everywhere. Um, but still lost. And um, Newcastle made a final, but they lost on away goals. Um, their first leg against Troyes or France was nil-nil. Their second leg at um, St. James's Park was 4 all. Oh, Eight-goal thriller. Eight-goal thriller. Um, and for Aston Villa, goal scorers um, in both games were with the winning goal was Paul Merson and David Ginella. So, uh, again, Good players. European international experience there. So, again, they, they throw up some quite interesting games, but I can't help but think this... Re rereading and reintroducing ourselves to this tournament, it is a bit tarnished and it feels a bit fraudulent. Mm. There's three finals, um, 2002, but I suppose it is a legit tournament. Um, you could see why it was abolished now. <laughs> uh, 2002, uh, Villarreal lost to Malaga 2 1, Fulham uh, beat Bologna 5 3, and Stuttgart beat Lille 2 1. Um, there was an absolute hero for Fulham. Remember Inamoto? Yes. The uh, Japanese superstar. Yeah. Incredible. He scored a 50 minute hat trick in the second leg to get Fulham uh, the final victory. So he basically, basically, Inamoto single handedly won this competition for Fulham. Well, he, he still believes it's real. That's for sure. I think he still plays. <laughs> yeah. Um, 2003, Pashing uh, of Latvia. I think it's Latvia or Austria. Can't see in my uh, black and white paper. Uh, lost 2-0 to Schalke. Heron Veen lost 2-1 to Villarreal. And uh, Colonel Gaddafi's son, Perugia, beat Wolfsburg 3-0. That was a good Wolfsburg's team as well. Uh, well, any time you can mention that Gaddafi's son played for him, it just yeah. makes me happy. Like, it shouldn't do. He's an evil man. But it's just something hilarious that I'll get it. a serious team fielded him like three times. That's crazy. Mm. Uh, at least... I mean, at least we get into proper finals now, though, rather than multiple. Yeah, true. Um, Jay Boffroyd was instrumental in the tournament for Perugia. As he oh, was there course. at the time. Yeah. He scored um, like lots of goals in, in yeah. lead up to the final. Um, 2004, Lille beat Unial de Lira 2-0 of Portugal. Schalke beat Slovan Liberic of Czech Republic 3-1. And uh, Villarreal beat Atletico Madrid 3-1 on penalties. Um, Raquel May scoring the winning penalty there as well. Um, 2005, Lens beat Cluj 4 2. Uh, Marseille beat Deportivo La Coruña 5 3 on aggregate. Hamburg beat Valencia 1 0. Uh, having lost 2 0 in the first leg, Marseille came back to win 5 1 in the second fixture um, away from home, which is pretty impressive. And then in 2006 is when it changes altogether. So the 2006 UEFA Interseto Cup was the first edition after a major change of the competition formats. Uh, there were only three rounds instead of five and 11 tournament co-winners. 
Let me repeat that. 11 tournament co-win. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Why 11? Yeah. It's so, yeah. It's so strange. I keep... Like, you, they do things like, oh, they bring back a fine. You're like, okay, it starts to make a bit, a bit of sense. I mean, I don't know. Like, it just doesn't make sense, this whole... Use a tournament to go into another tournament, but you're also a winner. Well, this is this is this is how it kind of worked out. Um, so the eleven tournament co-winners qualified for the second round of the UEFA Cup. Yeah. Um, instead of three teams qualifying to the first round proper, uh, which is what happened last time uh, in the years previously. Um, also, for the first time in the modern history of the competition, an outright winner was highlighted from the eleven co-winners. So it was ele- eleven co-winners. And then one of those teams will be called the winner. Um, with, yeah. Okay. With that honor going to the final round Intertoto uh winner that advanced to farthest in the UEFA Cup. So obviously we know it's Newcastle. Um that's when you get and then obviously it ceased to exist in two thousand and eight. So two thousand six, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, there was an outright winner, but there was also ten joint winners. Yeah, so strange. It's ridiculous. So 2006, Newcastle won it, of course. Um, 2007, Hamburg won it. Good team back then. Uh, And 2008, Braga of Portugal won it. They all got a plaque. So they all got a plaque. Yeah. Which is weird. It's weird, isn't it? Because I always assumed it was like, that was like pride of place upon Newcastle's mantelpiece. Yeah. Um, But no, it turns out, load of horseshit. There we go then. Um, so that's the Intertoto Cup, but here's the one I guess is a bit controversial within reason. Uh, the UEFA Cup. Harry, for me, the UEFA Cup just built so many dreams for the likes of you know, your Fulhams, your Middlesbroughs, and everyone else in between. Where yeah, does it sit sure. with you? Yeah, it's, it's you know, for, our, for as a Pompey fan, we had a, a magical night, didn't we, in the UEFA Cup? So it's up there for me. It, this is for Channel 5. Tuesday nights, Champions League isn't on. This is what you'd be watching, right? Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was great. Like, because if you finished six, seven, eight, you had you might have had a chance to get in here, depending on how who won the cup competitions, right? So for for teams like Portsmouth and for teams like uh, Fulham and Middlesbrough, like, this was our Europe, you know. So. Didn't it, um, Ipswich Town made the two thousand one. I think because Ipswich Town finished fifth, and what other, other team won the FA Cup or something? So Ipswich Town made it into Europe. Yeah, made it into I mean, the UEFA Cup, didn't they? For sure. Which is crazy because uh, then they, they got relegated because they were playing too many fixtures. And yeah, yeah, I, I think what's what you can, what makes it impressive is that you'll still get people call Europa League UEFA Cup, right? Because that's that's what it sort of suggests that stuck with people for some reason that name, you know. And uh, I think it was a little bit of magic there at that time. Like I said, I think Europa League, you do get what what tends to happen in Europa League now is teams that don't, you know, bigger teams end up in there than did in the UEFA Cup almost. Um, was obviously good for the competition, but it's bad for seeing a team like Bolton do a, you know, go go in, isn't it? But yeah, it was times have changed, I suppose. Yeah, I just think it just, I don't know. There was 
it all the because basically the Europa League to me feels like a, a it feels like the, the the kids version of the Champions League. Yeah, but the UEFA Cup was like its own entity. It was like yeah. its own thing. If that make, yeah. does that make sense? I know yeah. on paper that's not it's correct. Yeah, but in, in in like football philosophy of how a football fan feels, yeah. the UEFA Cup was worth fighting for. I mean, United won the Europa League in 2017, and it, it was good to win, I guess. But it wasn't yeah. like I don't know if it was the UEFA Cup, it would have felt like it had think, a bit of bit of think, you know yeah. background behind it. And I think some of that more. comes with like for branding, right? So with with this idea yeah. of trying to get the branding to to be more similar to Champions League, hoping that would bring more eyes, it sort of devalues the brand because, like you're saying, it feels like the B brand to it. The UEFA Cup felt like all right, it's not as important as Champions League, but it felt like its own cup competition. Um, a little bit, I suppose, like, you know, the FA Cup's the important cup competition and the League Cup isn't quite as important, but at least it feels like its own thing. It's an opportunity when, for yeah. teams to win a trophy that... If it was yeah. called, like, FA Cup 2, you wouldn't feel so special. <laughs> this time winning, it's personal, right? yeah. And, and that's sort of what Europa League feels like, is like, oh, Champions League... Two, like where UEFA Cup had its own identity and its own yeah own look, but I suppose yeah. that's it's just branding these days. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think you've you know what I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think the UEFA Cup it sounded so different, it looked so different, and was completely separate to the European Cup slash Champions League at the time. Sure. That it, it felt like its own entity, and it, I think I think I think you know what Harry, you've, I think you're exactly right. I think it. That it's all to do with the branding, the way you produced it, and now like the graphics are the same with the Europa League. Mm. The name Europa League just sounds shit as well because it's not a league at all. Um, well, that's changing. They will be. Well, like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just sounds shit as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you hit nail on the head there. Let's get on to the the finals then in the UEFA Cup in the noughties, two thousand and one. Um, of course, we spoke about it before when we spoke to Stee from Redmen TV, a uh, Liverpool fan. Famous final, Liverpool 5, Alaves 4, golden goal. The only instance golden of a golden goal. goal, the only instance of a golden goal affecting a major European club football tournament. Um, and it was abolished in 2002. Uh, the sole goal from Gary McAllister saw Liverpool beat Barcelona over two legs in the semis, but it would be Jelly or Gelly of Alaves with an own goal that secured the win for Liverpool. Imagine your golden goal going in and it was known goal. That, that, yeah. You just couldn't make it up, could you? Sad, isn't it? I mean, I always quite like golden goal as a concept. <laughs> yeah, I did. Not, but sure, just... not sure it has a place in today's game, but I like... I like. I think it does. I think it beats penalties. Because when you... Mm. As great as the World Cup final was... Yeah, penalties are a disappointment. It is just... It is, a, it is just luck. Yeah. Is how good is the goalkeeper? Has he done his same work? How it's you shouldn't be winning football matches on how confident you are no, yeah. under pressure. It, like imagine it should be footballing ability. Yeah, bring it essentially, back. Essentially, penalties is a a game of heads and tails, isn't it? Right, um, and you'd be so bored to end a game with your captains just shouting heads or tails. And that's essentially what it is. <laughs> this is what I would do. This is what I would do instead of like penalties. If you don't, you say to the players before the match, if you, if this is nil nil, or if this is say it's a semi final, yeah, 
if this is nil nil, there's no second leg. Well, that's, why do I say semi? Okay, it's the final. Uh, it's the final of the UEFA Cup. If it's a draw after 90 minutes, we play another 90 minutes. They're going to be fucking knackered. It could be nil nil after 90 minutes. You start the second 90 minutes, they'll be so fucking tired and injury prone. Could end up like 7 2. Like, oh, <laughs> like sure. the goals flying left, right, and center. So, I think you basically want to do inst- like replays, like. Out, uh, but instantly. So, so if you have a cup, if you draw, you get you have a replay. You're like, yeah, we we'll do that, but straight away. No I, or, <laughs> or just, yeah, pretty much, yeah. I like it. Or we'll just bring back, the, or bring back the golden goal. I just, I, yeah, I think it, it shows more footballing skill and yeah. endurance and True. stamina. I don't know. I feel like penalties are just the standard now, though. But yeah, it, it is. It doesn't feel right that a final. A final should end on penalties. Like, it does feel like more football should be the answer, but I suppose yeah. you're protecting the players from injury. Right? But what? So. It's a final. They'll not be playing again. <laughs> it depends. Then, I suppose. Well, yeah. maybe maybe this World Cup they were, but yeah, that's not yeah. hopefully not going to happen again. Um, okay, that was 2001, 2002. Uh, the final was won by Feyenoord. They beat Borussia Dortmund three. Uh, Two Pierre van Hoydonk uh, becoming top goal scorer of that tournament. Uh, Feyenoord featured a young Robin van Persie and Johan Elmander as well. Dortmund was managed by 1996 Ballon d'Or winner Matthias Sammer, the German. Um, yeah, Feyenoord are Dutch team. This is the thing: Dutch teams don't do well anymore. You know, PSV Eindhoven were winning cups. Feyenoord, Ajax. The Dutch teams have not done well in yeah. Europe for a while now. No, you had like. An- which is yeah. good players, but they just keep selling them to the Premier League. So yeah. uh, Cody Gakpo and uh, a guy sure. went to Chelsea. The best we uh, see is Ajax have a good run. But if you like to hear of Ajax winning the Champions League, it's you know, quite slim, I'd imagine. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the whole change that's come into Champions League and, and the Europa League might, might change that. But I feel like it's going to be weighted in that we're going to see more of Barcelona and Man City, Liverpool winning, and we're not going to get a return to the days of uh, Ajax and uh, and uh, Red Star Belgrade uh, winning. You know, I don't, I don't see mm. uh, going back to that. Unfortunately, those were the days. Um, 2003 was won by Porto, famously beating Celtic, as we've spoken about before. Um, yeah. <clears throat> pretty much launching uh, Mourinho's career. Uh, 2004, Valencia beat Marseille 2-0. Um, Newcastle made it to the semi-finals of this uh, of this tournament, uh, eliminated by Didier Drogba um, for Marseille. Um, in the final as well, Barthez was sent off for Marseille in the 45th minute, and it was at Valencia from there on in. Um, when I was doing some research as well, I was looking at the squads, and I think one of the most underrated yeah. players of the noughties was a certain Mr. Sonny Anderson. Who I remembered because he played for Leon. We knew in Leon on like seven back-to-back league titles. He was a striker for them. Okay. He's probably he's probably a good shout out for most underrated player of the noughties as well. He was only capped yeah. six six times by Brazil, um, but had an impressive goal scoring record of two hundred eighty nine goals in five hundred eighty five appearances. So nearly, or pretty much, yeah, one in one in guaranteed guaranteed goal every other game. Yeah, that's um, great. Playing at the top level for Villarreal, Lyon, Barcelona, and Monaco, so he's partnering the likes of Thierry Henry in the mid '90s and Rivaldo in the late '90s. Um, he's got three league and titles, two of the Liga titles, Copa del Rey, UEFA Super Cup, and two-time winner 
of the Intertoto Cup in 2003 oh. and 2004. So there we go. There we go. Legit. But yeah, I mean, I suppose some of that comes from, I suppose, because he didn't give international caps. Because he's uh, around in a generation of uh, other great players, he's not getting chosen for the national side, or is he? So that might be why we don't remember him as much. But yeah, I mean, the stats and the teams he played for sort of talk from South really, don't they? And two intertotos. You don't do, no one hands you an intertoto <laughs> flag. You, you work hard. Right? You earn. You and the 10 other teams work very hard for that plug. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a shame, really, because I think he deserves more credit, Sonny Anderson. I do remember him scoring yeah. some fucking amazing goals. And um, he was very much the foil to the likes of R9 and uh, players like that. Um, 2005, an interesting final. Won by CSK Moscow. Uh, 3-1 against uh, Sporting Club Portugal. In the final, the top goal scorer of this particular tournament was Alan Shearer with 11 goals, despite Newcastle going out in the quarterfinals. Wow. He scored a goal every 63 minutes. Incredible. Which is you know better than Haaland. That's a good fucking rate. Um, also played in the final, which is Jao Moutinho. Still plays for Wolverhampton Wanderers. Seems like an age ago now, 2005, doesn't it? Um, CSK Moscow boasted likes of uh, Igor Akinfayev in goal, Yuri Zerkov, Avic Olic. And everybody's favourite Brazilian striker, Wagner Love. What man? The blue, pink, and the purple uh, <laughs> dread, dreadlocks. Incredible looking man. Uh, but Wagner Love, now aged 38, has just joined a new club, Sport Recife, in Serie B of the Brazilian League. Um, though last year he was playing European football with Danish side Michiland. Oh, how did, that. How in did the, he miss that? In the Europa League. Um, I think, again, up there with Sonny Anderson, another underrated player. Um, he's got a career total of 336 goals thus far, albeit in 721 games, but that's still a, a goal every game and a half. Um, yeah. And he's also won the um, the Copa America two times with Brazil. He's won it once more than Messi. Yeah. You know, um, what's, what an underrated player. And, you know, still playing. Incredible. Still playing. I think we need to do an episode on Copa Americas. It's something I'm not uh, yeah. too versed on. Uh, the 2006 final, famously with uh, Middlesbrough and Brazil, we've spoken about to death. Uh, Seville winning 4-0 in the final. Generational Middlesbrough side went on a mad run in the knockout rounds, going through on away goals against Stuttgart and then against Roma, both games 2 all. They came back from 2-0 down quarter-final defeats to beat Basel 4-3 on aggregate. And then in the semi-final, second leg came from 2-0 down to beat Stuart, Stuart Bucharest 4-2 on aggregate in the 89th minute, thanks to Massimo Macaroni, who only retired in 2020. I thought he was long gone. Um, unfortunately, they faced a generational Seville side managed by Juan de Ramos. Uh, yeah, incredible team. And they were absolutely just done over in the final. It's a shame, really, because like they were the comeback kids, weren't they? I know we've interviewed uh, yeah. Rob Fletcher about it, doing our middles report, so go and listen to that if you want to find out more about that. Uh, next final was one on penalties by Seville, again, doing the double against Espan. Um, despite not winning Espanyol um, Super 1 season striker do you remember a striker called Walter Pandiani it rings a bell but so he was top goal scorer in this particular tournament again okay. with with 11 goals um, but he scored 11 goals in the UEFA Cup but in La Liga he only scored 8 so the interesting season for him then yeah and in the previous season um, he was at Birmingham City ah, okay but he's a Uruguayan striker. 
I think he's one of these players that pops up on like Lad Bible every so often because he was like a one season wonder for Espanol yeah. and like helped them to the final. Um, but he famously purchased a massive red pickup truck after the final with the Uruguayan flag and his nickname, the rifle, painted on it. He kept the truck and drove it um, as his main vehicle of choice for the rest of his career. So whenever he whenever he moved clubs, he like took his truck with him. Incredible. And uh, when he retired, age forty, he auctioned off the truck, uh, which had over half a million miles on the clock. <laughs> Did you, it's just I'm retired. I don't need a truck anymore. Well, it sounds like rather than like fly for his medical, he, like he'd like yeah. drive from like right. Espanol to Birmingham. Um, <laughs> for long distance journeys, and he's like, I'm not making them anymore. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 2008 final was between Zenit St. Petersburg and Rangers. Again, famously, we've speaking to uh, Scott, our spot, Scottish expert, about this before. Um, Pavel Pogredniak and Luka Tony were the top goal scorers with 10 each in this particular tournament. Um, but the experience of Zenit proved too much for injury-stricken Rangers um, that decided to bench most of their best players. And then famously, 2009, the last UEFA Cup final uh, was won by Shakhtar Donetsk with a uh, Wagner Love was top goal scorer in this tournament with uh, 11 goals. Um, beating uh, Shakhtar uh, beat Werder Bremen uh, after extra time 2-1 had a pretty tough route to the final as well beating Spurs CSK Moscow Marseille and fierce rivals Dynamo Kiev in the semi-finals what a semi-final that is Shakhtar against Dynamo Kiev both in the semi-final of a European tournament that's huge for Ukraine and um, yeah despite WWE Hall of Famer Tim Visa in goal for Werder Bremen (laughs) um the generational talents of Dario Serna, Fernandinho, William, and Razvan Rat were enough to see off the likes of Mez Ozil and Torsten Frings. So that Werder Bremen side was very, very good. It had like some great young players in there. Yeah. And of course, a, a WWE superstar in gold. You know, so, how, yeah. they, uh... <laughs> how, how they put that off. Yeah, I mean, sad times this tournament because that, if Ronaldinho didn't come on as a substitute, we would have beat AC Milan 2-0 that night and we would have, we, we, we would have been talking about Portsmouth lifting that trophy <laughs> with Tony Adams as their manager. Oh, God. Um, Over the days. Portsmouth getting to Europe for their first and probably only ever time and it happens to be when the club implodes and we uh, have Tony Adams as manager and Carnu playing centre midfield at 45. Um, why yeah. did it have to happen? But yeah, I mean... <sighs> I don't know. I still feel like UEFA Cup seems more magical than Europa League. <laughs> yes, I agree. I mean, we... made me confirm my theory. Absolutely, absolutely. Don't get WWE superstars in the Europa League. Yeah, and you know, it's probably the last time we've seen like two Ukrainian heavyweights back that out for a while. Yeah, in football terms. Um, sure. Sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, what a tournament! What a tournament! UEFA Cup. Eh? I think. Um, I think um, well that's we've discussed what we need to discuss on today's pod. Um, I think the one thing I've learned is that the Intertoto Cup was a load of bullshit. Yeah, but the UEFA Cup was. I think I think um, I've you know you never know how much you miss something until it's gone. For sure, yeah. And I think that is a perfect way to sum up the UEFA Cup. Yeah, you also learned that uh, the Portsmouth Centenary Cup hasn't been abolished. It's just once every hundred years. Yeah, that's true. It's a fair point. It's a fair point, indeed. And, and the, I- the Iberian Cup, they just do it when they won by the sun. Yeah, yeah, it'll be back at some point, I'm sure. I want to, I want to bring back the Latin Cup. That'd be me. Yes. Um, Rebranding the Latin Cup. I love but, it. Yeah, before we depart then, hypothetically, if you can make any tournament in the world right now from what we've learned today, realistically, what kind of tournament would you make? Would you 
bring back a UEFA Cup style tournament? Well, what I'd do is I'd have a a cup that's really complicated, and twenty two teams win, and they will get a plaque. <laughs> um, but there's only eight teams in the tournament, so work it out. Just, just <laughs> handed them out. To I, I quite, you know what? I quite like the idea of you know the Intertoto Cup in the nineties, where you used to apply to be in it. Yeah, I yeah. quite like like the, the admin process where you've got to apply. Oh, that'd be quite a good tournament, actually. Loads of teams get to apply, but you know how you like the FA Cup draw to find out whether you're into a tournament where you can potentially get a place in the UEFA Cup. They do like the FA Cup balls, yeah, and it's like Shrewsbury Town have made it in. To, it's like the random thirty-two teams from throughout Europe. I, you know when, like, like when you it. do like a yeah. FIFA tournament and you just put like, you press yeah, square, like it just it. automatically lot, fills the, it. Like, the lottery tournament, we call it the lottery tournament. Yes, do the lottery to pick the teams. The the pot of luck plaque, and like obviously you need such a good sponsorship deal that if you pull out Billericay Town against Madrid, you're going to have to cover Billericay for because they're not going to be able to pay to get to Madrid, right? Well, yeah, the lottery pays for lots of sports shit, doesn't it? So the lottery can oh, pay. We actually get them to do. Yes, oh. yes, yes. We get them to sponsor. Oh, this is great. No, oh, I've got a great name. I've got a great name for the uh, for the cup. Okay. Fundable. Fundable. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The lottery presents what? Fundable. And the let's release those big money balls. Do they? Do they win a trophy, or do they win a big, you know, the hand cross fingers <laughs> symbol, or do they win a big check? I think the trophy should be one of those, you know, the tumble dryer things where the yeah, balls go yeah, around. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. one of those. Yeah, brilliant. I so, what, it. yeah, this is great. So, the Fundable Cup, it, you get a random 32, keep it classic, a random yeah. 32 teams each year from non league upwards, let's say. Yeah. So, you could have a bit of Ricky Town against Real Madrid and the expenses. If there's any, if they can't afford to, do it, the expenses are covered because you know you're going to win that money back in the TV rights, obviously. <laughs> so, and that, how amazing would that be? I like it. <laughs> but all the, all the, uh, we need like big presenters to come on and pull out the teams, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the Thunderball Cup. I'd be, be so fantastic. disappointed though when you do it and then you get no big teams. <laughs> well, that's, that's well, that's the risk. It could go. You could have a team that's like full of like non-league teams yeah. and AC Milan, and it's just like AC Milan going around all these non-league grounds. I feel that'd be incredible. Great. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Like the <laughs> you got a capacity of like two and a half thousand, and like the AC Milan ultras, like twenty thousand of them turn up. Brilliant. It's like Hungerford Town or something. Um, uh, yeah. Hey, and it's always held in Tokyo. <laughs> Just for some reason. Yeah, and then we've got we've got to abolish it when the uh, head of the lottery dies. Um, <laughs> uh, dear, well, well, there we go. I think, uh, I think, I think that's that. That's it. We've got to make it happen one day. Elon yeah. Musk, he's the kind of person that can make stuff like that happen. <laughs> he comes. Oh, it's two, and it's absolutely magnificent. And Cristiano Ronaldo has pretty much won this game. On his own inside the first 13 minutes. Um, but it is our first episode back, our first episode back for season four, which means you know what time it is. It's time for What's in Your Panini. Um, we do this every season. We have a Top Gear style leaderboard and we have a couple of classic football sticker packs. I think last season we've done 2000. And, oh, we've done the World Cup one, didn't we? Mm. And before that, we've done 2002. 
Um, we've gone for noughties again, of course, because we're a naughty space football podcast. We've gone for 2007. The Merlin football stick is 2007. So what happens is normally our guests um, will open a pack and we're going to judge that pack depending on how good the players are out of 10. You get extra points for shinies and maybe a few extra points if you manage to get the team you support as well. So it being 2007, there's both Portsmouth players and Man United players there for me and Harry. So it's time for me and Harry to get our points on the board. Right then, here's Harry's pack, 2007. Seal of approval. Um, this is definitely not the second time we've done this because of how disappointed we're. I heard you fake for packs. You've got your own factory. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, we're starting off with a shiny, but it's the Everton kits. Oh, well, okay. Everton kits. Um, you then got Jersey Dudek. Oh, the goalkeeper. Okay. It's not bad, although he was taken over by Pepe Reina around this time, I think. Nicky Butts oh. at Newcastle, there. Or oh, now we're talking Luis In- Garcia, Liverpool. Wonderful. Yussi Eskalainen, Bolton legend. Ah, oh, yes. Intertoto legend. <laughs> <laughs> and the Bolt and the Middlesbrough shiny. Oh, okay. Yeah, not a bad not pack, bad. actually. Not, not bad. a bad pack. So let's 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 do it. Not a great pack, let's be honest. Not not um yeah, not amazing. But you got two, you got a shiny kit that doesn't really yeah. count. It's proper shiny. Everton, good kit. Shiny middle, shiny, shiny Middlesbrough. UC Escalinen, Louis Garcia, Nicky Butt, and Jesus. They're all like yeah, top all... tier Premier League staples. Yeah. So out of middle ten, solid five. Yeah, it's very middle of the road. So I'd, I'd be happy with five. Solid five for Harry then. Of course, let's see who I get. Come on, Ronaldo. <laughs> Please don't ruin it again by getting Ronaldo first. Although I didn't win at the end, did I? No, you didn't actually. To be fair, we, we here we go. Found a way. Come on! Oh, what a start! The Intertoto Cup shiny. No, imagine <laughs> Morton Gamps Pedersen. Ah, oh, yeah, incredible. Cult hero, cult hero. Um, then got Matt Elliott or Fulham. All right, bring it Mac- down. McNamee of Watford. Okay. Ooh. Glenn Johnson, Portsmouth. Ah, oh, peak John Jono. Just when he's yeah. going into B&Q, stealing taps and toilet seats. Absolutely. Did you know that? No. It's a true story. Fair enough. Carlos Bocanegra. Oh, great legend. name. And we're going to finish with Robbie Fowler, Liverpool, oh. when he returned. I mean, you got you got, you got two players that are better than my players, for sure. You reckon? Not in their peak, though. This is like nah. towards the well, end of Fowler's career. Pedersen was in his peak. Yeah. Jo- Jono, he's uh, just before going to Liverpool, just about to win the FA Cup next ben year. And Johnson, too. Yeah. I'm it's pretty, better, it's pretty similar to you, to be honest. I think it's better. 5.2. Yeah, all right. All right. So, the what's on your opinion looking for? Leaderboard is looking like this. Harry. <laughs> Harry's on five yes. and Ollie is on 5.2 very beatable scores very beatable very beatable scores in 2002 um, but that's it for series four series four episode one is done it's in the can uh, as we've spoken about the uh, abolished tournaments of the noughties hopefully you've enjoyed this trip down memory lane as much as we have we'll be back very soon uh, with another episode of noughties classic football I guess so until then look after each other look after yourselves um yeah. 
Remember to call Newcastle fans frauds. <laughs> Remember, and, 11, uh, 11 people can win one tournament. Wise words. Was that the uh, was was that the parting words of that Korean church leader before he <laughs> kicked the can on his deathbed? Yeah. And in honor of my life, don't you dare fucking hold this tournament again. Yeah, yeah. Bring it back. The Latin Cup, the Peace Cup, and the Thunderball Cup all coming soon. Oh, the Thunderball Cup, absolutely. Um, so yeah, spread the news of the Thunderball Cup. We'll see you next time on Team of Our Lives. Thank you very much for listening. Sayonara. Team. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.